Hello everyone, welcome to another episode on Hashtag Pearls. Today I'll be talking about the progress and the challenges that lies ahead in the eradication of the polio virus. As at 1988, more than 350,000 cases were reported annually of kids suffering from one form or one form or another of irreparable and irreversible paralysis, brain damage, and sometimes death. With the help of organizations like the Rotary Club that took up the fight to making sure that this thing becomes a thing of the past, as at 1996, the number reduced to 75,000 kids suffering from irreparable paralysis. This prompted the leaders of a particular region to rise up and launch a campaign that will chase this thing out of their continent, hence eradicating this particular virus from the world. By 2012, a particular country in the world accounts for more than half of the cases at the time. Now, what is the state of polio eradication in the world today? What achievement has been made and what are the challenges that lies ahead? This and much more I'll be talking about today on the podcast. I am Hassan and this is Astopods. To begin with, let's start with a definite understanding of what polio is. Like, like they say, if you don't know where you're coming from, you may find it hard to figure out where you're going to. So polio, as defined by the World Health Organization, as other reputable organizations, is basically polio is a highly infectious virus. Sorry, polio is a highly infectious viral disease that largely affects children under five years of age. The virus is transmitted by person-to-person spread mainly through the fecal oral route or less frequently by a common vehicle that is contaminated water or food and multiplies in the intestine from where it can invade the nervous system and cause paralysis. Do you understand what that says? Like this, it says here, polio is an infect is is a is a highly infectious viral disease, and it it's it's mainly affects kids between five years of age within that period of time, and it says here that the the virus is transmitted by person to person spread mainly through the fecal oral route. Now, when you hear oral, you know that's like your mouth. Fecal is like feces. So it's basically something like you like you touch feces and you put it in your mouth. But you know, these are kids. Now, this is how this is. Let's, just, let's paint a picture of it. An adult or somebody that has this virus, when, when you uses the bathroom, um, cleans up, get, gets out. But, you know, did not clean up thoroughly, you know, they know what she's hands thoroughly, hence there are some, you know, parasites or some, you know, of some of those, um, um, you know, pathogens or, or is it what, they, what do I call it again? Some of those things just hanging around and the man opens or the lady opens the, 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 the door of the bathroom, gets out. A little boy or little girl between that age of between one and five goes into, into the bathroom, opens the door, the, touches that same knob that that person had touched earlier opens the door, pee or do whatever, before you know, you know, kids are always putting their hands in their mouth, he's putting the, his hand in his mouth, remember, the person that just used the bathroom, did not even wash his hand, or use their hands thoroughly, that is the most common way that this virus passes around, 
when people use the bathroom and they don't use it thoroughly. Even if guys remember, even the case of coronavirus, they said it was more prevalent in the bathrooms because of those um those what's it called micronuclear things that you cannot you cannot see. But you know when you use the bathroom, it's all it's all in the air. So that's the way. The, but in the, in the case of polio, you have to touch something and put it in your mouth, or to the person that is dirty. You know, touches the water that you want to drink, and you drink out, and you drink from that same glass, you may get contaminated and infect and infected. So now, this particular case of polio, but to me, it's home to me directly, because I am a son of a woman that is that that was not born paralyzed, but is paralyzed today. Even her did not know that what happened to her is polio. You know, Africans they are quick to say is one thing or is another they don't always resort to medical um understanding of things they believe in metaphysical things or you know just believe that or it's god that did it and the reason i'm doing this today is because if my mother or my mother's parent had known that what what, what happened to her at the time many years ago was a polio related problem perhaps they would have sought to get some of the vaccines maybe she would have had a chance to have both of her legs functioning properly so this is the reason why this particular message today it's home for me and it's a major victory lap that the world is a step or two closer to completely eradicating um, polio if you are not born paralyzed and you suddenly develop some kind of paralysis in your legs and and limbs and stuff the thing that happens is that your life is taken away from you from that moment because you cannot compete with other human beings the way you would love to compete you are limited by your mobility so let's go on and enjoy this podcast today while we just drop some of the fact that we know all right so like i said in my opening statements Polio used to be around 350,000 people and um, kids annually as of 1988. Then the Rotary Club came to the rescue. However, however, I would like to say at this point that it's not, that was not the first time that people would, um, polio would be a thing of common knowledge. Because as of 1979, America was already polio free. I'm talking about the United States of America. And by 1994, the whole of Americas, like Latin and South America, just of them, were already polio-free. And this also continued to 2002, when Europe was declared polio-free. And even India, from 1997, with the effort, by 2014, India was declared polio-free. But it's just good to, to, to note that America, the United States... Of America has been polio free since 1979. You may now say, okay, but when the Rotary um, Club decided to launch this campaign, they call the Global Polio Eradication Initiative (GPEI) in 1988. Immediately, great organizations like the World Health Organization, UNICEF, the U.S. Center for Disease Control and Prevention (that's that's America right there), our CDC, you know. CDC, Bill and Melinda Gates joined them in 2007. And the Gavi, uh, and Gavi, the Vaccine Alliance also joined 
I think well, that was last year. That was another company that is also, that's also run or owned by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. So these and a lot of other organizations join hands to support the Rotary Club in ensuring that the world becomes a polio-free world. This campaign was greatly, greatly appreciated and the progress that was made was immense. As you know, the, this, at the time, the, um, the Rotary Club was, uh, was, was trying to leverage on their, on a very robust base. You know, the, the, the Rotary Club then had, a, had, a, had a, about 35,000 clubs, alright? 1.22 million members in 200 countries. So, this initiative was that they were going to use their base there because, and for those that do not know, okay, the Rotary Club is an international non-profit service organization. That's what they do. They are international non-profit service organization. So they are the, they are the kind of you know like the UNICEFs, like the um, you know these are organizations that are non-profit but they are into co- co- and providing services that will further the betterment of humanity. That's what they do. Rotary Club is, is a very very noble um, club, mainly scientific things, medical things really. So they started this um this campaign and it was successful. So with this going on, so from that three hundred fifty thousand cases as at nineteen eighty eight, the number was coming down sharply. But Africa was not um, I would say we are not ready, but Africa it became like a like a bottleneck um continent. And with that being said, there was a particular meeting. All right. In um in uh, uh what's it called in Yaoundé, the capital city of um, Cameroon, by the by the African leaders at the time in 1996, in that meeting, Nelson Mandela, the great late Nelson Mandela, launched a campaign that he called "Kick Polio Out of Africa." All right. Because in that meeting, they realized that 75,000 African children were suffering from this wild polio, which causes, like I said, irreparable paralysis, brain damage, and sometimes death. Because once this virus is in your, is in your intestine, it gets, it, it gets your, um, your, your, cord, your spinal cord and your central nervous system. It just messes up with your limbs, so you cannot really walk. You can, you can't do not, not, nothing. I'm from a country where, you know, you know, there's a street called Kano Street in Lagos State, when people want to give um harms, like want to you know be do some charitable charitable things, they say go to Kano Street because you're gonna see a lot of crippled people there. Now, as Nigerians, I want to be a docile, but I will say this though that we didn't. I think most people, I mean, at least for me at the time, I thought maybe they were born that maybe their parents did not eat the right food when they were conceived and all those things. But the reason why those people are paralyzed is that very reason, that polio that has paralyzed these kids because most of them were not born that way. But improper hygiene, dirtiness, filth in their, in their surroundings and these kids, you know, for, for, for by one means or another, they they pass this thing to them through the fecal oral route. That's what happens, and the kids before or by the age of five start getting um, becoming crippled basically, 
So we see these things in Nigeria. We see this. We see these kids. So we do not know that that's polio that is that that is um, affecting the lives and the future of our kids. So many crippled people in Nigeria, as well as other parts of the world, like you know the Bangladesh, the India, the the other countries of the world. And I will tell you where we have what what's going on with the issue of polio in a matter of minutes. So the largest organization, um, the one this one that um, Nelson Mandela, God rest his soul, spearheaded which is the Kick Polio Out of Africa um, campaign. And this campaign actually partnered with the Rotary Club. Remember, Rotary Club has been doing this thing since 1988. So they have an experience, they, they have the manpower, the wherewithal to, um, uh, to, to do these things. So they started this campaign. And the good part of it is that African leaders bought in into this particular mission. Remember, as of 1996, some countries, some countries in Africa were governed by military people, they had a military head of states. I think this, that was in the case of Nigeria as, as a 1996. Some countries had a um, turmoil, conflict, internal unrest in their country. But regardless of all of these, um, these um, forces, these leaders bought into this particular uh, mission to eradicate uh, polio out of Africa because Africa was identified as the one continent that is slowing the pace of eradicating polio out of this world, making it become a thing of the past. I would like to say at this point that eradication of polio in Africa will be the second time that Africa will eradicate a particular disease out of them, out of their constant out of the world. The first one was um, small um, smallpox. And that was done about 40 years ago. Now the next one right now is polio. We have a lot of grounds to cover, but if we can step out of time, eradicate some of these things that disturbs people, that ampers and hinders your growth and progress in life, I think we are giving ourselves a fighting chance. Now back to what I'm saying. So we have this going on since that time, all right? And um, the Witcher Club immediately launched, started this campaign and they, you know, they brought all their mechanisms, their manpower together alongside partner with them African uh, organizations too. That's like, they are like branches in Africa in, in, some, in so many African countries. And by um, by 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 in the year two thousand, right, the from nineteen ninety six in the year two thousand, the first multi-country synchronized polio vaccination campaign reached seventy six million children across. Um, 17 countries in in West and Central Africa. Two million of these children had never been vac vaccinated. So, as a result of that particular campaign that they launched in 1996 in that Yaoundé um, AU meeting, African Union they call it meeting, by 2000, 76 million children across 17 countries in West Africa and Central Africa. Two million of these children had never been vaccinated so it was that joint effort they were able to i mean i'm talking about 17 countries uh multi multi country synchronized so from like you go from south africa to kenya kenya to mozambique mozambique to ethiopia then tanzania you know rwanda it was a it was a collective effort because africa bought in for that one common goal many things we can we can appreciate <coughs> from this particular um, you know, case of polio eradication in Africa. So the success was 
was really a welcome development, but was short-lived because by 2012, I just about time that they want to declare Africa um, polio-free and all those things, they realized that Nigeria, at the time, like I said earlier, accounted for about half of the cases of polio in the world. Would you believe that? Where in Nigeria, it was a northern part of Nigeria. Wow. These people were not being vaccinated and they were having polio like crazy. So this really slowed down the pace of the growth. So Africa could not be declared polio free because the virus is still there in Nigeria. And even if it's in Nigeria, if it's in northern part of Nigeria, so immediately the organizations, the Rotary Club and some of these um, organizations in Nigeria themselves or their extension like Nigeria Polio Program and all those things, they immediately had a, 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 a setup that immediately looked into, they set up like um, um, facilities in neighboring countries. In that northern part of Nigeria, you know, we're talking about Chad, we're talking about Niger, uh, we're talking about some of the other countries, you know, Cameroon and the rest of them. So they, they immediately launched uh, offices or different centers in those places so that they can curb the spread of the virus in those regions. All right. And you now want to ask yourself, why? I mean, since 1996, they've been doing this thing. By 2000, they have recorded a, a great deal of progress. But by 2012, look at, um, that's 12 years apart, Nigeria is still dealing with um, polio um, um, virus. I remember for me when I was in Nigeria, at least I got vaccinated at least two times that I can remember. And there were one time when I was, I mean, I don't know, I think when I was a little child, they vaccinated me. When I grew a little bit older, I remember I got vaccinated. And before, I mean, I think when I was around maybe 10 or so, I still got under vaccination. I was like, God, Jesus, I've had this thing before. Why guys keep coming to give me more vaccinations? But now I know that, you know, it's all to protect you. And the ones I got was the one that we were injected. You know, my mother would be like, just stay still, let them inject you, you know. And I said, okay, well, if, I think it's, it's going to be good for me. My mother is telling me to stay still so that they can inject me. Now, what I just said now, a lot of people in the northern part of Nigeria did not uh, know or did not buy into that kind of um, ideology of giving somebody your child to inject it. They, they don't they don't believe in those kind of stuff of, of Western or civilized um, way of doing things. So this is the problem that we started having. So I'm going to identify three major problems why Nigeria remained the last country in Africa to completely eradicate polio. Um, understanding that then Africa as a continent is big and very vast. It's a continent that, that is home to more than 1.3 billion people. The land mass is amazing. Some parts you can even reach with your leg or with your car or with your bicycle. You're going to have to use a cane not to paddle into some villages. That's how big and how, um, um, you know, and remote the African villages are. So, at this point, I would like to give huge props, massive props to the um, respect and appreciation to the workers because people that actually do these things, they are volunteers. They volunteer to do it. They are not like, you know, they volunteer to do these things. And some of them have died in the course of getting this job done because they are trying to assess unaccessible places. And I just want to say at this point that thank you so much for all you've done for the African kids, 
for the generation of Africa, for the, for the beauty of this world. Like I said, I am a son of a woman who suffers from polio virus. Now, moving forward. So I said three things. The inaccessibility, all right, of some of these African terrains. The miseducation of the African people. And lastly, the security or insecurity of the African people. All of this, I'm talking about focusing on the northern part of Nigeria that, that was identified to be the particular region or place that was disturbing or was slowing down the progress of the eradication of wild polio in Africa. Now, I, I said three things, right? Inaccessibility, um, miseducation, and of course, insecurity. So inaccessibility, like I said, the, di the diverse African terrain, lack of adequate healthcare, and the distance, you know, from between uh, um, hospital to the village or to the to the, to the place where people are living is so massive, you know. So it's hard to reach these people. All right. So there's that. There's lack of uh, there's lack lack of good roads and consistent migration due to conflict and natural disasters. So to tackle this, to tackle this, um, the polio eradication team develop a unique technique by setting up special transit teams. All right, in fixed locations such as markets and border border checkpoints, and this method resulted to the vaccination of at least two hundred and ninety nine thousand children out of a conflict affected area area in Bono State, as at twenty seventeen. This happened, really happened. As most of us will know, or some of and um, some of that do not know, one of the reasons why this became a thing is because there was terrorism going on or there is terrorism going on in Nigeria, in the northern part of Nigeria, not east, not not um west part, part of Nigeria. So Bono State is a state in the north northeastern part of Nigeria, which is actually the the um the hotbed of Boko Haram terrorist activities. So people are constantly moving, leaving their village because they have been they have been terrorized, they've killed their parents, they've killed their daughters, they've raped them, they're they, you know, they are doing so many heinous things to these people. So this really hampered the growth and the progress of the um, polio eradication, eradication team. So that's why they developed this um, method of setting up, you know, um, offices in trans. They call it, like I said, they call it um, they call it the transit teams. All right, in marketplaces because they're not going to go to market in but in border checkpoints, and this resulted to the vaccination of at least. 299,000 kids that were moving, you know, that were moving out of a particular conflict area in Borno State. Think about that. Next, moving on, is the miseducation. Like this person said, his name is um, Pascal Mukanda, alright? He's a polio eradication program coordinator for the World Organization African Region. He says that in 20, in 20, in 2003-2004, in Nigeria, there were rumors and disinform disinformation that the, that that this virus. Sorry, let me put that, let me do that again. In 2003-2004, in Nigeria, there were rumors and disinformation that this vaccine would cause HIV and infertility. That's what this man says. That's what they were hearing. That would cause HIV and infertility. So people were were very hesitant to 
to let anybody come and drop anything in their in their kids' mouth that no, my kids will not be able to my kids have a child and be infertile. Now, this is not new to me because like I said, Bukaram is a terrorist organization. And this right here, this mis this, this, this miseducation is a problem. Remember, guys, for those that do not know, Boko Haram, the terrorist group that is that that is um, threatening the lives and property of people in Nigeria, especially in the northern part of Nigeria, Boko Haram simply means in Boko Boko means education, Western education. Haram means forbidden. So Boko Haram simply means that the Western education is forbidden. So these are people that. They are, they are the Boko Haram's. No, I'm not talking about everybody there. I mean, that's where the, I mean, not, not a part of Nigeria, that's where Boko Haram comes from, right? So there's this thing like they are not always um, receptive of formal or Western education. And this even dates back to the colonial days of Nigeria, when the northern part of Nigeria was the only part of Nigeria that would not accept or would, would not want to be part of the new foundation called nigeria because they don't believe in this western arrangement that has always been a thing about these people i'm not saying they are docile because they are not there are many intelligent massive intelligent people in the northern part of nigeria i'm just saying that this is a common belief this miseducation or lack of education and this idea is largely uh conceived and propagated by their religious leaders because in this part of the country they 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 they, they give a lot of power and authority to their religious and, and their traditional leaders and so if they say that this is not good for you without even consultation or research these people just follow the lead they follow their leader that's what they do in the north so this was a big problem for the um for the volunteers for the for the health workers to vaccinate these kids because their parents the the kids the parents of these kids are already um like no no don't touch my kid don't want, I, I don't want to give my kid any hiv i don't want you to give my 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 baby any um uh what's it called um infertility in future i don't know where they got that notion from it took the help of the emir of kanu at this time at that time whose name is uh, Mohamed Sanusi, is the emir of Kano City, to publicly demonstrate, apply, and encourage the people of Kano and the rest of the northern region that it is safe for them to use this thing. He publicly had to administer it on himself. Then, this happened in 2016. Then the, then the, um, the, the parents, the, uh, the, the northerners were confident because if their leader could use it and encourage them to allow them to use it on their babies, then they think it's definitely a safe thing to do. Remember, these are the northerners. They believe so much in, in hierarchy, in leadership. You know, they follow their leader to any length. So when this happened in 2016, and that marked the, the last time that polio was, the polio case was recorded in Nigeria. It stopped in 2016, partly with the help of the Emir of Kano, whose name is Mohammed Sanusi. And the third factor, which is not the least actually, like I've already mentioned, is the security um, problem that Nigerians were facing. And this actually will definitely affect the, the, um, health, the health workers. So now the security issue was a big one because the Boko Haram terrorist group actually became a thing in 20 in 2002. All right, 
So, and by 2012, 2016, they are they were already rampaging the whole of northern part of Nigeria. Hence, the healthcare workers were scared for their for their lives. Were scared to do. Even as I'm talking as at this point, we cannot definitely say that they've covered the whole kids in the northern part of Nigeria. No, because there's some places that you cannot just go to. So, like. The state of, of insecurity in the northern part of Nigeria, coupled with aforementioned factors, was a major impediment. The rise of the Islamic terrorist group Boko Haram in the, north, in the northeastern part of the country since 2002 slowed the vaccination pro- progress drastically. It slowed it like crazy. So they couldn't do much, you know, and they had to, some, a lot of times they had to be accompanied by the soldiers, and sometimes even according to um, Pascal. Canada, the the soldiers also have to have to be taught how to administer these things on these kids so that sometimes that they cannot come and do it maybe the soldiers can go into those communities and help this, those kids out these are the missions that, they, that these are the missions that they took sometimes these people will have to do it quickly before they hear some kind of shooting in the neighborhood some of them lost their lives to this efforts and we owe it to them to appreciate them a time and again for their for their heroic acts their echoing heart of courage has literally saved the lives and changed the trajectory of thousands if not millions of kids in Africa and the rest of the world. We owe it to them a lot. And in the words of um, Dr. Tunji Funsho, who is the director of the Rotary Club in Nigeria, he said that we did not accomplish this alone. Thanks of Thousands of health workers have dedicated their lives to fighting polio throughout Africa. That's that's my point. And if 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 I said that, the magnitude of this achievement cannot be overstated. It should inspire confidence in Africa, in Africa's ability to overcome even the most formidable public health challenges. How we got here is a remarkable story that shows what Africa can achieve when its nations unite behind a common goal. That just goes back to what I said when Nelson Mandela kicked off the campaign in 1996. It's, it's late now, but you see, the progress of that thing continues. We appreciate this because for me, I believe strongly that you will not appreciate um, light until you see darkness. You may never appreciate what it feels to be happy until you are saddened by something. You will not appreciate, um, you know, the, the beat of the sun until you see the rain. And you may not know what it feels like to be crippled because you are working. So now that the fact that these kids have the opportunity to live a mobile life, to walk and run freely, is a thing of joy. So we thank these workers a lot for helping to change the trajectory of these kids' life, for helping to make them have a chance to have a very prosperous life, to have a, at least a, the, the opportunity to compete in a world that's full of competition, they are not disadvantaged no more. That is a really great thing. Now, what next? What more? Okay. The question is, Hassan, are you seeing that polio is completely eradicated from the world? No. As a matter of fact, we are still two countries shy from having a world free of, of wild polio. And it is Pakistan and Afghanistan, and as you may can as you may already know, the reason for this is because of the coronavirus pandemic. So there's a you know there's a worldwide lockdown, and people are not moving 
the way they should. But those countries have have um have reopened their efforts to vaccinate their kids from every nooks and crannies of their countries. So I hope that very soon, maybe two three years from now, max, we will have a world free of um polio virus. Now, there is an underlying um thing here that I would like us to to just quickly keep in mind because according to i been before that according to what this man says uh, michael galway is a polio expert at the bill and Melinda gates foundation he says until wild polio virus is eradicated everywhere it's still a risk everywhere and because um afghanistan and pakistan are still lacking behind um they are still lagging behind it's gonna be a issue because until we can definitely say that Pakistan and Afghanistan have, you know, been cleared of any sort any um, polio virus, um, wild polio virus case. We cannot uh, declare victory on the polio virus just yet, but we are very close because um, Nigeria is to be the hotbed of it, and Nigeria is working out tirelessly to getting it done. And I know that if we, with the same kind of effort and intelligence. We can achieve a polio-free world. I can't wait for a, for us to have a polio-free world, and I thank greatly everybody that is involved, especially the um, the the Rotary Club, the um, World Health Organization, the CDC, always leading the way. Um, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the Gavi um, um, vac- Alliance for Vaccination, everything that they've done is is greatly appreciated. Now. So, but like I said, that's not the end of it because there's another underlying um, problem, which is the circulating vaccine derived polio. What is this? All right. So circulating vaccine derived polio is a rare mutated form of the weakened but life virus contained in the oral polio vaccine. Whoa. Is that what I'm talking about? So you mean it's not right? Okay. It is... How can I put it? It is ready. I mean, this form of, um, this form of like, you know, is a virus. And one thing about virus, I've said this before in, my, in one of my podcasts that I've learned about it, even though I'm not a doctor, <laughs> is that they are like every other living thing. They want to survive. So if you try to corner them one way, they'll come out the other way. Now, this, in this case, um, in the, um, it is the mutated virus. It's basically in the in the oral vaccination that they that they that they apply on those kids that they administer on the, on those kids, you know, you know, it's basically they dropping like it's like a drop of water in their mouth. In that particular oral vaccination method, there is a weakened but alive virus of that polio in it. So we have we have seen some cases now that even even at that level, all right, that there is a there's there's, there's a tendency that that virus can come to life in their body and we've had at least 16 countries now that are having cases but it's not, it's not either like a pandemic here because what happens is that with that kind of situation that virus can now morph into the actual wild virus and hence cause a paralysis in those people's body so we don't uh you don't want to have that happen so there's that case now that's going on it's called the cvdpv cvd PV circulating vaccine derived polio circulating vaccine derived polio so it is it is it is it is basically a mutated um 
a form of the, of that same virus because in the administ- in the administration of that um, polio of that polio va- vaccine there is a live virus there's a live but weakened virus in it and then maybe it gets in those people's intestine and it becomes it, it gets kind of some kind of power but there's a way to tackle that and the countries that have that are right now struggling or that have I won't say that but that have um um reported cases of this um CVDPV are actually they are assisting countries and the, and the, and, the, and their names are Angola, Benin, Burkina Faso, Cameroon, Central African Republic, Chad, Ivory Coast, Congo, Ethiopia, Guinea, Ghana, Mali, Niger, Nigeria, Togo, and Zambia. So as we are celebrating this, um, we must remember that this progress is fragile. We must redouble our commitment to keep wild polio out of Africa and hence CP, CVDPVs. Even now in northern, in northern eastern, in northeastern Nigeria, thousands of children remain out of reach of health workers carrying out vaccinations. So, there's we have a cause to celebrate, but we should still also understand that there's there's this um, circulating vaccine-derived polio that is somewhat like an emerging threat. But how do we treat, how do we take care of this? Simple, like what from what I read is basically um, those people that have reported those cases. Or at this from this point moving forward, they should stop doing using the oral um, oral polio vaccination because that, like I said, it contains the weakened polio virus itself. They should rather use the um, injection, the, like the one they gave me, as and millions of kids around the world. Because from what I read, injection has a killed virus in it. So the virus in that acute a, a polio virus in it. So the virus in the, in, the, in the injected one that they give to us on our on our arm, in our shoulder area, is not does not doesn't contain a living virus that is weakened. This one is is a, is a dead virus that, that's that's in that vaccine. So when they start applying those those kind of um, injected ones on those kids, maybe there will be. I think not. Maybe there will be. Uh, a lasting solution because that's what the report says from a very um, reputable organization so that's where we are on that very case so we are like just this close to having a world free of both wild and the circulating um, vaccine derived polio and I'm so excited to report this one I took my time to study hard and long about this and I believe it was with a quote from this same Mr. Dr. Tunji Funsho who is the, uh, like I said, the director of Rotary Club in Nigeria. He says, and I quote, One thing I know for certain is if Nigeria could eliminate the wild polio virus, any country can eliminate it. And that's the podcast for today, ladies and gentlemen. I remain Asandalan Raju. Thanks a lot for listening to this podcast. Please like, love, share, comment, and subscribe. If you, if, if, please, you can, you can also reach out to us on Astopods. That's our Twitter handle. Astopods, that's our um, Instagram handle, and at astopods at gmail.com if you want to email us. Thanks again for listening, guys. Thank you. Be safe. Bye for now.